Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's funny, you, you know, I keep people saying like, oh, you like Roy. The truth is, I'm really a lot more like Roy than people think I am. And that is something I very much relate to. You know, I, it's it's hard to, to let people see you vulnerable. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but, but I guess that's, you know, that's the brave part of life and love and relationships is that A, Keeley sits with him and is like, I'm not running away from this vulnerable bit of you. And eventually he has to, okay, then it's not, then it's not dangerous to let you in. Brent Goldstein isn't Roy Kent, the gruff football legend he plays on Apple TV Plus's hit series Ted Lasso, but he can sure relate to the character. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Emmy-nominated actor Brett Goldstein about his breakout role on Ted Lasso, which comes just as the series returns for a second season. But first, on the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast Roundtable, we look at the various comedy acting categories, and yes, you better believe Ted Lasso is everywhere. It's all next on Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Phase two Emmys. Everyone, we are less than two months away from the September 19 Primetime Emmy Awards. Two months. That's it. Look alive, everyone. I am Variety's Michael Schneider, joined as always by Danielle Terciano. Two months, Danielle. Yeah, I know. I'm very stressed out about this. <laughs> and Jazz Tanke. Jazz, how are you feeling? It is going to fly by. It is going to fly by. It really is. Hence just, the stress. Yeah, just this year has gone by. And look who's joined us in the neighborhood this week. Cover artist herself, Caroline Fremke, the cover of this week's Weekly Variety. Weekly Variety, Variety Magazine, the women of Ted Lasso. Fantastic cover, Caroline. Thank you so much. It was truly a pleasure. They are very delightful, and we're very excited for this. I uh, had a chance to go to the Ted Lasso season two uh, premiere at the Pacific Design Center. Got a chance to talk to Hannah Waddington and... She loved the cover. She could not stop talking about how amazing that cover was. Oh, I'm thrilled to hear that. She She's fascinating. I mean, honestly, 
I'm so glad we got to do them together because like I wrote in the cover, I think their dynamic is so important to that show. But truthfully, I could have written a profile on either one of them, Hannah Waddingham and Juno Temple both. They've both had such fascinating, interesting careers and both of them separately in our separate interviews emphasize that, you know, this kind of fame was never really in the plan. So they were very pleasantly surprised is I think the way to put it by what Ted Lasso has become. Yeah. And I love that they've become pals, that they they have this chemistry now off camera too, which is really cool. Yeah. And you know, you hear that a lot. I feel like every other show is like, and then we became a family and you know, um, you don't always believe it, but I got to say that the cast of Ted Lasso is extremely convincing. If it's not true, it's extremely convincing, but they are the fantastic, two of them for uh, sure. Actors, yeah. <laughs> but, yes. But even just seeing, you know, I got to see, I didn't get to go to London um, for their photo shoot, obviously for many reasons, but I did get to see some of the behind the scenes and they truly are just very obsessed with each other in a, a delightful way. Um, I don't know how much you can, you can fake that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's too bad you didn't get to hang out at that pub with the two of them, but uh, I know. still still a lot of fun. So check it out, folks, if you haven't already. Well, this feels like a good time to uh, sort of talk about some of the comedy uh, categories this week in, in acting, since we're talking Lasso. And of course, Lasso with 20 nominations altogether. I think Virtually everyone on that cast nominated, uh, which, uh, you know, is sort of one of the trends of, of this year. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about some of these categories. Uh, first off, a, a category that doesn't have anyone from Ted Lasso, but, but nonetheless is interesting, is lead actress in, in a comedy series. So let's start there. Uh, Danielle, uh, your, your thoughts on the crop this, this time out? I mean, it's a good list. I, we talked about this last week, like the idea that we knocked this list down to five instead of six bums me out because, you know, there are a lot of strong people, um, in general, but you know, it's the year of Gene Smart. And we've, we've said it here before. I will say it here again. I mean, she just really, everyone is great, but she really stands out to me that that role is a role that I feel like a character like that would not have existed on TV even a couple of years ago. You know, we still don't see a lot of characters of that age getting celebrated. Um, and she's just such a force. And that would have been such a, I don't even know the word I want, just travesty, you know, if, if that was not, if that could not come to be that show and that part. So um, yeah, that's, I, I know you didn't ask me to like pick who I would vote for, but I think I maybe just did. No, um. <laughs> I, 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 and I think that that makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, Kaylee Cuoco obviously is is another front runner in that category. She's never been nominated before, uh, so so this is sort of uh, you know groundbreaking for her. And you've got someone like Tracy Ellis Ross who hasn't won yet, even though she's been nominated five times. Uh, and then you've got Allison Janney, who the Academy loves. She's she's on the the precipice of perhaps breaking or, or tying rather the, the record of, of eight, uh, you know, a, a, along with uh, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Cloris Leachman. So, you know, the history could be made or at least tied on, on Emmy night. Uh, and uh, then, then we've got A.D. Bryant, who clearly voters love as well, because she was also nominated for supporting actress for, for SNL. So interesting category. Jazz, you have a pick? No, I mean, remember when it was just the flight attendant and that was the, the main child that was going to win this race and then out of nowhere, Hacks came out and 
Gene Smart. I mean, yeah, I love the other nominees in that category, but Gene Smart is the one to be. And Hacks is such a brilliant show. And her just her comic timing, not just in Hacks, but also in Mare of Town, is incredible. And she deserves all the accolades. All. For this all role. the accolades how about you caroline are you on the, the smart train are you uh in the smart car <laughs> yeah i mean i think so um she did such an incredible job for all the reasons that we've already talked about i do also think you know she not for nothing gives a performance of an extremely complex person who is not always certainly not always likable but always um, baseline understandable. She has to also kind of shift into this very specific Vegas stand-up mode that not many people could could do. Just because you act in a comedy doesn't mean you can, you know, successfully mimic stand-up comedy. So that's another aspect of the performance that I think is really um, special. But I will say that I was so thrilled to see 80 um, nominated for Shrill. I was hoping that it would be followed by a nomination for Lolly Adafobe, who was um, supporting in that show and I think stole it pretty much entirely by the end. But I think it that Shrill really left at the top of its game. I wrote a column about that sort of feeling sad that it left right as it got to its height. Um, so I'm at least happy to see 80 recognized for that part. That's a good point though. It's, I mean, just the fact that like, it's finally getting celebrated and there's no more coming. I, I talked with 80 about that yesterday and like, it's still kind of sitting with me of just, maybe it needed a little time and and the finale doesn't i mean you know i I really love the third season but that finale doesn't feel like a serious finale to me you know i'm like i I don't know i know you said that was it but maybe and i'm I'm rarely someone who advocates for bringing the show back honestly i love a, a show that can leave on a high note but for that one i was like i want another season of this yeah, I think we're just gonna have to get used to it, though. This is the trend now, right? I mean, this is the the leave them wanting more two or three seasons and out. So a um, number of examples of, of that this year, both uh, intentional and not intentional. Uh, Lovecraft Country and HBO looking at you. So uh, lead actor in a comedy series. Uh, also, uh, you know, we've got, uh, of course, frontrunner Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso himself. Feels like, uh, you know, sort of undeniable, but again, a great list. Keenan Thompson, we love Keenan. Keenan also nominated twice for Supporting Actor as well in SNL. Uh, and then you've got uh, the classic. You got William H. Macy, once again for Shameless. Uh, you know, he's won twice in the past. He's got 15 noms overall, so clearly the Academy loves them some William H. Macy. Michael Douglas, uh, you know, Kaminsky Method, final season, last chance for him. Uh, he's uh, you know been nominated nine times in the past. He's won once in the past, uh, so he's in the mix. And then you've got Anthony Anderson from Blackish, who's been nominated ten times but has never won. Um, Sudeikis, right, guys? Uh, Danielle? Yes, but I almost wonder, and this might just be me being, like, hopeful, um, just to see some surprise, you know, if all of the, and I know we're not really getting into this category right now, but if, if all of the Ted Lasso supporting performers don't split, split votes and somebody actually wins that category, are, would, would people be voting for Keenan because they can't celebrate him in SNL because they're celebrating? I'm curious how that's going to play out. You know, do you, or if you're voting for 
lasso in supporting? Are you also voting for lasso in lead? I feel like Jason's, the answer is probably yes. Jason's probably a lock because look at how winter awards went. Um, but at the same time, I do just have to wonder, I mean, Keenan's had such a big year and what will that amount to? Because he does have both categories. Yeah, yeah. I think you you probably flip it, right? It's probably okay. Sudeikis gets actor, probably. Yeah. But I'm just but, you know, yeah. just no, no, out definitely, loud. definitely. Just I think out loud. Hopefully, I mean, Keenan has two chances. I, I feel like supporting actor is where people are overwhelmed by all the lasso actors, and and so they're like, but I love Keenan, so you know, it's Keenan's time to shine. But uh, Caroline, what what do you think about uh, lead actor in a comedy? Yeah, I think it's Sudeikis' to lose. Um, I think, you know, looking at all the nominees in general, it's clear that, and I sympathize with this as someone, as is the case for all of us, whose job it is to watch television, that Academy voters watched the few shows that they really wanted to and (laughs) voted for those. You know, Handmaid's Tale, Crown, Lasso, SNL, etc. I mean, so I think... The lasso contingent, which is obviously huge enough to make that record-breaking number possible. I mean, we'll get into it in the supporting categories too, but I I do think we're going to see a situation of sort of down-ballot voting. And the supporting categories, they could split it, but the lead, they can't. So I, I would be very surprised to see something else happen there. Yeah, and I think the other thing that Ted Lasso and Jason has going for him is it's going to be everywhere. The season two is about to drop and peak voting time. We've discussed this. Um, I mean, look, I loved, I, I don't know, I absolutely loved this season of the Kaminsky Method, and it was probably because Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas had that epic reunion. Um, yeah, I, I think Jason has it. I know we don't like saying the L word, but I think he's got it locked. Oh, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) I said it a second ago. I was like, I don't dislike saying it. I mean, I I kind of do because it's so early and I will always be proven wrong, but it's fine. All right. Well, let's let's move to supporting then. So since we're talking about the actor field, let's talk about supporting actor real quick because you do have Brett Goldstein, Brendan Hunt, Nick Muhammad, Jeremy Swift, Basically, all the supporting actors in in Ted Lasso all nominated. I kind of feel like they they, they have to cancel each other out, and and sort of that leads open. Uh, you got uh, Carl Clemens Hopkins and Hacks, who sort of uh, you know was the surprise I think of the category. Um, Paul Reiser of Kaminsky Method, who has never won an Emmy, which is interesting. Uh, he's been nominated eleven times. Uh, you got Bowen Yang, who you know just killed it with SNL this year. Uh, fresh face. He, we're going to see a lot of him in the coming years. Uh, and then, of course, Keenan Thompson. So my sense is people are going to look at this ballot. The Ted Lasso folks all cancel each other out. Um, probably not enough people know Carl Clemens Hopkins to, to really make him a contender. Paul Reiser is sort of a spoiler. But when you look at SNL, Bowen Yang, the, I think people are going to say he's going to have his time. Um, when you put Bowen Yang and Keenan Thompson together, you, you got it. Keenan is the elder statesman. You know, it's it's you know this is it's it's been a great year for him. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity to you know we can't award him the actor because Sudeikis is getting it. So here's a way to still recognize Keenan. Boom, he gets supporting actor. 
So, Jazz, what do you think? I agree with that journey completely. I think <laughs> I know that was a tortured <laughs> journey. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I think Ted Lasso here in supporting. Well, they're all just gonna split the votes, cancel one another out, and Keenan edges out over Bowen because he's loved too. Yeah, that that's what I think happens in that race. Compared and supporting actress, we'll talk about. But yeah, Keenan for sure. Yeah, Caroline, your thoughts. I'm going to disagree. Ooh, I'm going to disagree. Um, I think the Ted Lasso actors could cancel each other out. I think if one were to break out, it will be Brett Goldstein, who not for nothing and without spoiling a thing, has a very strong showing in the first few episodes of season two, which will be out um, soon. Uh, I know they're not voting for season two, but that doesn't hurt. And otherwise... I, I'm going to say that if an SNL person wins, I think it's Bowen. I think don't underestimate the sort of buzzy, record-breaking, unprecedented kind of year that he's had. Um, and people really freaking loved that iceberg. You know, I don't The iceberg. Know. I was, Caroline, I was about to say the iceberg, too. <laughs> the iceberg, Fran Lebowitz. I mean, you know, it's not just the iceberg, but it's yeah. a lot the iceberg. But I think that, you know, when it comes to SNL... More and more, I feel like people experience it through the clips that come out the next day. And Bowen was the star of so many of those that I think he could upset Keenan. And I'm not saying that that's how it should go. I'm just, I, I would just not be surprised if that's how it goes. Yeah. No, that would be, that would be fascinating. You're right. I, I, I could see that potentially happening. I think it's such a large voting body that you'll still have a lot of folks who just don't really pay attention to SNL, just voting for Keenan automatically. And, and that may push them over the edge too. But um, yeah, it's, I do feel like it comes down to two SNL stars in this category. Um, now, speaking of SNL, of course, they've got three nominees in the supporting actress in a comedy series category. So you got, once again, A.D. Bryant, you got Kate McKinnon, who potentially this was her final season. So, you know, we still don't know for sure, but they sure made it seem like it. Uh, and then Cecily Strong. Uh, so they're up against uh, Hannah Einbinder from Hacks. Um, you know, a breakout fresh face. You got uh, Rosie Perez on The Flight Attendant, who has never won an Emmy, but who is, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, an icon. Uh, and... Uh, then you've got the uh, the 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 cover stars of uh, the variety cover stars uh, in Judo Temple and, and Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, uh, who you know are both undeniable. And you know this is where this is a tough category to predict because you know Hannah uh, of the two, you know Hannah's definitely sort of probably has the edge over Juno, and and I could very well see if if there's a a, a little bit of a Lasso sweep, she could be a part of it. Um, so, and, and the SNL folks could kind of cancel each other out as well. Although, you know, you never count against Kate McKinnon, especially if it is her final season. And if word comes out beforehand that, uh, you know, it definitely is, then that could push her over the edge as well. Um, this is a tough one to pick. Um, Jazz. I think I agree with you. It's the race of the Hannahs. Um, which one has the edge? I'm going to go with Hannah Einbinder for Hacks right now at this Ooh. very moment Ooh. in time. All right. Brave. I, I think strangely like on the internet, and I know it's probably the worst place to look, but there is a lot of love and Hannah I for Anna, Hannah Einbinder. Like she's 
really popular. A lot of people have her picked to edge out over Hado, uh, Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. So I'm going to go with that unless Kate McKinnon announces she's done with SNL and then that whole race just split, goes <laughs> yeah. wide open and Kate comes in. That's where I'm at today. Yeah, yeah. How about Caroline? How about you? Um, I am going to put my money on the other Hannah, and not just because I wrote about her, but because I will say I was genuinely, and to use this phrase again, pleasantly surprised by the response that story got and the love for both actresses, and in particular, Hannah's um, portrayal of a very tricky character. Hannah Einbinder also playing a very tricky character, honestly, I think, um, and Rosie Perez is not being talked about quite as much, but I'm really glad that she got nominated because, again, that character could have been just um, a drip and in Rosie Perez's hands never could be. But I think Hannah Waddingham, for what she did in that first season, where she is ostensibly the antagonist because she's trying to torpedo the club, but she immediately makes you understand why and you never hold it against her. And she does have great comic timing in the most surprising moments. I think she did a very tricky thing very well. And obviously a lot of Academy voters noticed. So I, I'm going to say now that I think it's her. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing. I, I think I'm leaning towards uh, of the, the Hannah's Waddingham right now um, with, with uh, like we're saying, the, the Kate McKinnon sort of asterisk, depending on what she says eventually. Um, Rosie Perez, I feel like maybe, you know, they've set up a season two uh, a flight attendant where Rosie's character could go in some interesting directions as we learn more about her and what she does. So, you know, that, that could be sort of a watch this space for next year kind of, kind of situation. Um, but yeah, this is, this will be an interesting category to watch. So, and uh, I believe that does it for our comedy acting categories next time out uh, we'll, we'll hit the dramas but uh, again if you haven't yet go check out uh, caroline's piece uh, on the women of ted lasso uh, over at variety.com and uh, thanks so much for joining us caroline and thank you. Uh, thank you as well jazz and danielle we will see you all again next week peace out everyone After the break, Emmy nominee and Ted Lasso supporting actor Brett Goldstein on finding Roy Kent's voice and furthering the character's romantic relationship in season two. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back, it's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. The first season of Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso started with a major change for the titular American coach, played by Jason Sudeikis, who moved across the pond to lead a British Premier League team. But that season ended with a major change for the once-star player of that team, Roy Kent, played by Brett Goldstein, who was injured during a match. 
Roy started the series as the gruff AFC Richmond team captain who often preferred to make noises than respond with words, let alone full sentences. Hi, Roy. <laughs> Something on your mind? Is that grunt all I get to go on? That's okay, I'll give it a shot. Here, uh, let's see. You are thinking about buying your first house. No, not that, okay. You just realized your dad might be a little racist. Stop! He's in his 60s and he's from South London. Of course my dad's a little racist. Look, me and Kaylee might be starting up a thing, but every time I think about her, all I think about is Jamie fucking Tart. Woo-wee! Sounds to me like someone's trapped inside life's most complicated shape. A love triangle. Second place, of course, is the I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her swimsuit dodecahedron. Does my face look like it's in the mood for shape-based jokes? No, Roy, it does not. But in my defense, it rarely does. Now, season two will follow Goldstein as Roy, trying to figure out what life after AFC Richmond looks like, in addition to centering his relationship with Keeley, played by Juno Temple, both in his life and a bit more in the overall story. Ted Lasso has received a stunning 20 Emmy nominations, the most ever for a freshman comedy, and nods for virtually its entire cast. Goldstein will compete in the supporting actor category, along with co-stars Brendan Hunt, Nick Mohammed, and Jeremy Swift, for example. Variety's Danielle Terciano caught up with Goldstein on the eve of the show's season two premiere, and she began by asking him about how he pulls off Roy's gruff voice and movement. There was certainly a thought in the physicality of him in terms of he has to be intimidating, so he has to take up space. That's why he's, and he's, he's leading from his chest always because he's waiting to headbutt someone. He's expecting a fight at all times and his, his head is ready to go forward uh, and he's leading from his chest. So, that, so the physicality was definitely a conscious choice. And yeah, and, and like, it's almost like you see it with animals, like when animals are trying to, scare people they take up more space like the you know what it's like he's like the uh that funny dinosaur in jurassic park that goes (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what it's like uh so that's sort of why and his shoulders are always back and he he, and there's also a part of it in terms of like you're told that when you're young like shoulders back like you know that that's a sign of confidence and and strength and i think you know roy was trained from like three years old and and a captain is part of your job is to scare people. That's part of where he's coming from. And he's also, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, why not? It's the internet. Uh, he's also fucking angry. So he's also, <laughs> you know, it's not fake. He, he, he's genuinely ready for a fight at all times. He is expecting a fight. He thinks everyone's shit. You know, he's, he, so, so all of that plays in the physicality. And as for the voice, it was instinctive. Like, I can't really... I don't remember thinking, I must do a voice, I must do this. I just sort of, I don't know, it just sort of did it. And I do know that there was probably fear from some people, like, what's he doing? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) But I, I, it just felt like, it felt right. And and maybe it comes from, I don't really know, I, I, yeah, that's what's different. The physicality was definitely a conscious choice. The voice was more instinctive. And outside of maybe the voice, just the grunts, just the way that sometimes he doesn't respond in words, it's just the noise. How much of that was you in the early days? How much of that was actually on the page? 
I think it was me and then became something that people noticed and we, we let him more. I think, but I can't remember. Everything's always, everything always ends up collaborative. So who knows what came first, but I, I want to say it was me. Okay. Because that's good. also it something definitely, that... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's something that also feels very taxing on your throat. So, I mean, you guys listening to this cannot see. I am just going to pretend you're, you're sipping tea because you need <laughs> tea for your throat. But at the same time, that's, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, is it taking a toll? Are there things that you have to do differently for season two so that you can continue that? It's very sweet that you're worried about my voice. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the, I always think it's funny when actors talk about how hard something is and you go like, you have the luckiest job in the whole world. Okay. Like, I, I have the, I couldn't tell you how lucky I feel to have this job. Okay. So any part of it that feels taxing and, and my throat hurts at the end of the day, I think it's like, come on, mate, you're doing the greatest job in the world. It's not like, I'm, it's not like I go home and go, oh, my poor, my poor throat. It's so sore. <laughs> but yes, sure. It is taxing. <laughs> okay. And I, and and sometimes I have to have a nice hot drink, <laughs> but uh, but at no point do I regret it or go, poor me. Right, right. I do want to go back to something you were talking about, though. In in you know the the chest out, confident stance, the thing that you know when he's a young kid training that he learns, that obviously gets so embedded in a person when they're that young. But in season one, we see, you know, we see a lot of his vulnerable side and we know that's going to continue in season two. Um, And I wanted to kind of dissect that with you and see where did you feel some of that bravado was just a facade, was just him putting this on versus he maybe did internalize pieces of it and is learning to shed them. I sort of don't think it is a facade because I think it it is, uh, as in, it's been beaten into him all his life and all his career. So it isn't, uh, it's not necessarily a choice for it. It's not like he goes, oh, now I have to be hard. I think he, that's it. I think that's his default. His default is anger and hard. The vulnerable stuff comes from, he's not, always interesting because he's not stupid, but he's not emotionally articulate or, well read you know he we we see him start to enjoy books like possibly for the first time right you know like he's he's not um he's got a great football brain but he doesn't you know he 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 probably didn't learn a lot else in terms of education wise but he's not stupid he knows what right and wrong is he he has like roy's got good guts you know what i mean like his gut is is usually pretty right about stuff he, but I don't I don't think he knows how to articulate much of it he doesn't at least in season one I think he's getting better at it right but all that stuff is in him he just hasn't explored it or been able to articulate it so the vulnerable stuff I mean I also go isn't everyone isn't everyone inside a little scared baby child <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like like that's in, I think that's in everyone and it's in Roy as much as in anyone else. But, but Roy has a bigger uh, prison around it. So when it comes out, I guess it, it's more, in, it, it's much more of a contrast than someone who is more emotionally articulate and evolved, if that makes sense. 
It does. And I think, I mean, I think you also kind of hit it. Like everybody has that inside, but when does it come out? You know, there are certainly moments where we see Roy alone where it would make sense if we saw that. But then there are also moments where, you know, he's with somebody else and he allows it, you know? I mean, obviously the greatest example that comes to mind is this finale where like he retreats, but Keely follows him and he doesn't run from her. He like allows her to see that piece of him. Yeah. And that's so huge. Well, that's so huge. And that's like, he does want, he, he keeps telling her to fuck off. Right. He doesn't want, he doesn't want her to see him like this. He doesn't want anyone to see him like this. And I don't think Phoebe's seen, you know, he doesn't like, I mean, look, it's funny. You, you know, I keep people saying like, oh, you like Roy. The truth is I'm really a lot more like Roy than people think I am. And that is something I very much relate to. You know, I, it's, it's hard to, to, let people see you vulnerable. I fucking hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but but I guess that's you know that's the brave part of life and love and relationships is that a Keely sits with him and is like I'm not running away from this vulnerable bit of you. And eventually he has to okay. Then it's not then it's not dangerous to let you in because he's uh, he's a fucking animal. You know, it's the, it's the fucking, he's the lion with the thorn in his paw. And how did you, you know, initially work out the the banter, the relationship with Jason as Ted in the sense of, like, here's a guy who is much more vocal about feelings and, and comes from a different place and obviously is going to challenge Roy, but Roy has this inside of him, so it's going to, we're going to see some changes. I'm I'm curious if there were things that you guys did together in the early days to kind of figure out here's where, even if it's not in the script, you know, here's like a little look I'll throw to, to say like, this is where he's pushing my buttons or, you know, this is where he's actually getting through to me. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, on the one hand, we talk about everything. And on the other hand, that's the thing. And it's like, uh, the magic of it and the magic of, the same in stand-up and improv and all the things is like on some level we talk about everything and another level it's all instinctual do you know what I mean because you've done the homework in regards to that particular question I mean in the writer's room we, we've talked about all the dynamics and all the relationships but when we're on set and when it's a scene of me and Ted I get very I get slightly uncomfortable talking about acting stuff because I always think it sounds pretentious but you have to forgive me. We're talking about it, right? That's why. Yeah, I asked. Is, is you know, people can blame yeah. me, but you can also talk about it from the writer perspective if you prefer. Just in the sense of, you know, if if that was something you felt you needed to bake into a script in certain areas too, you know, just to help yourself. It, it the the more we did, and the more, uh, like I, I'm sure I've said this before, but I believe from episode four onwards, there was a moment in the read through on episode four where I felt like we we. Like one to three are great and they're really good and I'm very proud of them. But I also know, at least for me, I'm sure, I'm sure for everyone, you're finding your way. It's new. This is a new show, a new group of people, new everything. And by four, it felt solid. It felt like this is who we are. These are the characters. This is how we work together. I love these people. We get each other. We get how we fit. Like it felt really exciting. That reason it was like, God, this is a fucking great show. This is really <laughs> exciting, you know. Uh, where, where, you know, I was a bit tentative and how is this going to work for the first couple of weeks? So from then on, it's like, 
Jason is, as long as, as well as the rest of the cast, Jason is a really, really good actor. Mm. He's an amazing actor. And there's a thing, we, we take something we've talked about, and I get this with you, and I get this with everyone. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Sometimes, making stuff on camera, there is a reality of time pressure and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And occasion, occasionally, there, are, there, are, there have been times you can work with people. There are some people who won't, either because of time or because they're a dickhead, <laughs> won't. Uh, so if you've got, okay, you've got a, a scene with two people talking to each other, right? Camera has to point at one of those people, and then you have to turn around, the camera points at the other person, right? Sometimes the other person in the scene might not be there when the camera is not on them. Right. And that is a different kind of acting that you who are on camera have to do because you have to fake, you have to fake it. You have to fake chemistry with someone that isn't there and and a feeling and all of that. And that sort of acting is sometimes very, very occasionally you just have to because of something's happened. Mm-hmm. But what's wonderful about Jason and Juno and, and everyone in this cast is when the other person's there and you're actually doing a scene together, all you have to do is react to each other and it's magic. I talked to Jason about this once and he was like, oh, I didn't know that that was even an option. Like as in, of course, that's the beauty of acting is that he's giving me as much when he's not on camera as he is when he is on camera. And if you're present and you zone into this is what we're doing now all of this God, it sounds like such a dickhead but all of it is just reacting yeah i'm reacting i'm reacting to jason i'm reacting to juno yeah and hopefully they they are feeling the same way and what you're seeing is the bit in between is it i mean this is going to be an unfair question i know that i'm just going to admit that but there are so many you know relationships in season one antagonistic or not that are central to understanding Roy and I think in some ways to seeing how Roy changes. Um, and I, and season two for sure expands on a lot of those. Is there one that you point to as the one that changed you as an actor? One scene or one relationship? One relationship. But if you want to, you know, speak to a specific scene in that relationship, that would be great too. I mean, look, uh, that's not fair because they're all important. (laughs) I know, I I said the question was unfair. (laughs) It is unfair. They're all all important, but I think, you know, just in terms of how, you know, maybe maybe there was something that you you looked at and said, I'm learning something I did not expect about myself here or about my character here. Uh, You know, I have probably my most scenes with Juno Temple. Yeah. And she, she is... I mean, particularly in season two, uh, season two, and she is an unbelievable actor. And I was ne- I, I was nervous about working with her because she's such a good. I'd never, you know, she'd never done comedy, and I was like, when when Jason said Juno Temple, I was like, oh shit! I was like, oh no, but she's like, <laughs> that's a hardcore actor. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna have to raise my game. This is gonna be uh, intimidating, and she is so open and so like from the beginning always discussing as in tell me anything you need tell me anything that would make you uncomfortable you know like that that nothing is off limits and and everything is safe between us and and it's that thing it's it's the thing of being present it's that is here's the other thing I learned all right here's a genuine thing I learned about acting and this is 
to do with the other reality of making stuff is that there's a crew there, there's people there. You spend a lot of time not actually filming. There's a lot of time setting up shots. And in that time, you're hanging out together, you're talking, you're discussing the scene, you're having fun, whatever is happening. And you're spending five months with these people. And so there's, it's social as well as work. You know, you're, you're a big group of people doing a thing together. And I have always felt in the past that when I've had an emotional scene, so like in season one, I have the scene, the finale in the, in the locker room, like that's hard to just go straight into after lunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, right. you know, there's, a certain, there's a certain headspace you want to be in. But what I know is as a, as a human being, I don't ever want to be, uh, I have fun with people on set. I, I like talking to the crew. I like having, being upbeat and having a good vibe. And so I never wanted, I'm, I was always in thinking, God, I never want to go to everyone. If it's a scene like that, can I go, can everyone just be quiet for a minute so I can get into this headspace so we can do this? I personally, I'm uncomfortable saying that because I don't want to affect everyone else's day where they go like, oh, we were having a chat, we are having a chat, do you know what I mean? I don't want to be right. like, oh, we've all got to be quiet because Brett needs a minute. Like, I never want to be like that. And I remember thinking, so what's the way around it is if you can't do that, if you're not, because I could do that, of course I could, I'm just right, not comfortable yeah. doing that. But what I realise is it's all focus. I can get into that headspace. I don't need all day to be to get into that headspace. What I need to do is I do the homework before. I prepare in terms of at home. I know what this is going to feel like. This is the feeling, the headspace I need to be in. I can meditate. I can do all those things. And the, the trick is, the, the skill part of it that you learn is, let's say you had all day prepare for it. Sometimes you might have one minute to prepare for it, but the end result is the same. You just have to get your head. It's literally like a kind of, (laughs) you know, like in a Looney Tunes cartoon and the the thing, but that's all folks go smaller and smaller. smaller. It's that. It's like a pin focus. It's like I can be with the crew, I can be with people, I can be talking, I can be doing anything. And then I have to, in my head, having worked on it, go zoom in this is the mm. moment I now need to be like this and then I can do it and without affecting anyone else's without ruining anyone else's day I mean it was not ruining their day they're all there to do a job that was very respectful what you just said I was like I don't think any other actor I've ever heard would be like I don't want to bother you I'm just gonna do it over here but you can also take yourself away like a dog you know you can take yourself away and have there are ways around it I'm saying but without but yes, but it is about focusing in, in your head quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, we, since we are talking a little bit about that finale, that, you know, that is such a turning point for him. It's like you have to, he's going to have to make a decision now. You know, what's, what's the next step for him? Um, what are some of his challenges in season two? What are some of the, the things that were new for you in season two? Well, the thing with Roy is he... Had no, he had no plan beyond football. He wanted to play football until he died and he's not dead. And part of him is sad about that. You know, I think he, he would, his dream version of the ending is he died on the field. Like he didn't want to end with a knee injury. He wanted to, he wanted to die from a collision with someone winning the ball. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that, I know that's, that's, that's the gritty uh, drama version of this show. Yeah. 
but it, but I think you've seen the show. It is a gritty drama with some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there are some things, but I mean, you know, you you cannot kill a character off with how optimistic and hopeful this show overall is. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, th- there's a tease for season two. <laughs> um, but yeah. So he's not dead, and he had no plan beyond this. But so, so the upside is he's with Keely now, and they are furthering their relationship. And on one on one level, because he's not playing football, I think he has put a lot of his focus into that relationship, and he's in love. He's frankly in love, which I do not think he has been before, at least in a meaningful way. So that side of his life is great, but the rest of it is a fucking mess because I think he's very much in denial that he's okay not not being involved in football and he he's spending time with his, his niece, which he also is happy with. Basically, the women in his life is great, but the rest of it, He's in denial, and it and it and it's an it it is or could become an issue because Keeley is at the opposite end of the scale of starting a new career and exciting world happening, and yeah, that's the that's where we find him in a kind of half and half. It's it's also just like a really interesting juxtaposition, I think, because you need to keep him one foot in this world of the team in order for you to share scenes with all of these other actors. But yet, from what you're saying, you know, and, and certainly from what we've seen in season one um, with his niece so far and when, when he was helping out at that school, it seems like, is there a world where he's happy doing something there with kids, coaching kids, you know, what have you? Is that, I mean, how, how much can you, or not you, but how much can Roy dip outside of the team before it becomes a different show? I mean, the show can be whatever it wants to be. Uh, There is no template for the show. And I think part of what is exciting for us as writers and what Jason's always been, you know, the show is whatever it is. Uh, So, yeah, I can't answer any of those questions because of, you know, I can't tell you any futures, but but I I would go, you know, the show can be, the show can be anything. There's no, there's no rule. We don't have rules, as in, there's no rules on the in the rights of Ted Lasso. Like, this cannot happen in an episode of Ted Lasso. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, before I let you go, I have to ask you where the Roy Kent jersey is. Oh, my one. Mer- merchandise? No, merchandise wise. I mean, are you, are you, what are you doing in terms of like getting Roy out there? I, I don't know, but let's just say. That on the last day of filming, my uh, kit went missing. <laughs> okay. And uh, costume called me and said, "We can't find your kit." And I said, "Oh, how weird! <laughs> oh, I, I wonder where it is. Oh well, good luck." <laughs> right. Well, they can make a new one. <laughs> Good luck. I hope you find it. Right, right. And you know, well, hey, now you can just mass produce for for the fans. <laughs> the fans yeah. are clamoring. Yeah, I mean, I I think they should be out there. I don't know who's in charge of this, but you need to have a word. 
I have no sweat. You need to have a word. Oh, do I? Do you know who to talk to? I mean, I, I do not. Know. He's a, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> give me the number. I'll have a word. I just need to know who I'm talking to. You got to do your voice, though. You got to start with just the grunt on the voicemail, and you just have to go. He's in charge of this. Yeah, exactly. He's in fucking charge. Get those fucking tinkets out. Roy Ken on all of them, or I'll fucking brain you. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. Danielle, thank you so much. That's Brett Goldstein. Catch up on Ted Lasso Season 1 now, and Season 2 premieres July 23rd on Apple TV+. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Daniel Terciano and Jazz Tanke, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.